We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the 2005 um, reimagining of the original series Cold Jack the Night Stalker, simply called The Night Stalker. Night Stalker, in the fact. Night Stalker. Hmm? No, it's called Night Stalker with no article. There's no the there? There's oh, no there. Yeah. Well, okay. Night Stalker with Stuart Townsend. I was right with that name, wasn't I? Yes. The other day. That's him. That's Somehow him. I was thinking he was a singer. Maybe I was thinking of Peter Frampton. I don't know. The pilot episode. Late at night, in a remote suburban housing development, a woman is attacked in her home by something. Man or beast, we are not sure. The next morning, Perry Reed, crime reporter for the LA Beacon, and Jane McManus, photographer, are surprised when another unknown reporter is already on the scene of the crime. This is their first introduction to Carl Kolchak, the Beacon's newest crime reporter, on his first day, having been just hired by Tony Vincenzo, the Beacon's editor. Perry and Jane do not appreciate Kolchak's dismissive attitude towards them. Later that day, Kolchak is called on the carpet by Vincenzo. The story is Perry's, and the two of you are expected to work together. Kolchak seems to have a confidential source about the case, which he will not reveal to Perry, but he will pass on the information. The husband is suspected of the murder, and the wife, whose body is soon found, had a surprise. She was pregnant, and the fetus was torn from her body. The dead wife's family come to town to identify the body. Later, while the husband is away, the same entity, now more obviously seen as something four-legged, breaks in and savages the murder victim's sister and takes their young daughter. When Kolchak questions the husband of the original murder victim about seeing animals before the attack, Perry gets suspicious and Jane gets curious. Jane looks through his photos of the crime scene and finds not only pictures of animal tracks, but also a strange animal in the distance in one of his photos. Perry, on the other hand, investigates Kolchak and discovers he was questioned about the murder of his wife in Las Vegas. She contacts the FBI agent, Agent Fane, who is still trying to put Kolchak away for his wife's murder. Kolchak at the time told a crazy story about animals bursting into his car, wounding him and killing his wife. She was pregnant and the fetus was torn from her body. Perry's inquiry re leads the FBI to arresting Kolchak on suspicion of these most recent crimes. Released due to lack of evidence, Kolchak explains that to Perry that he's investigating a large number of strange cases, many of which are accompanied by a strange mark on the wrist of the victim, marks which were not there before the murder. Jane gets wind of reports of wild animals, and the team go to investigate. One attacks Perry, but Kolchak kills it with his car. It is a bizarre dog-like creature. Agent Fane later says it was a coyote and it was cremated before anyone can further examine it. Owing to a plot device too ridiculous to mention at this point, Kolchak is able to track down the other dog-like creature to a cave where they discover the missing girl, still alive. They rescue her but are attacked by the creature. They manage to escape. Kolchak alters his story to disguise the truth about the creature. Perry is indignant. The public have a right to know, she argues. But Kolchak counters, the public don't want to know. But when he makes sense out of this story, then he'll publish. 
As the episode ends, we see that Kolchak has that same mark on his wrist too. No, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to you're going to have to include the plot device that was too ridiculous to mention because I didn't despite going back over it, rewinding, I couldn't work out what it was. Okay, fair enough. I I will I I was just saving it for our discussion. It was just too ridiculous to try to point in there, but sure, let's just start there. He called it something like a chemical lojack. Do you have lojack in the UK? Do you know what that word means? No. no okay, then no. that would explain a lot. Lojack is uh, originally a device that you would have installed in your car somewhere hidden. And when it's stolen, it can be activated and the car can be tracked. And then... Okay. Right? So it's, it's as the opposite of hijack. Lojack, hijack. <clears throat> uh, subsequently, I think Lojack makes computer software to try to track down PCs that are get, uh, that are stolen as well. But that's a software solution. But Lojack originally was this, this physical device that's wired into the electrical system of the car and, and you know, hidden in a wheel well or somewhere where they, they can't get to it easily. Um, but the fact that he sprayed some stuff on the grass and then later could track I track things electronically that had walked across the grass was just beyond the pale. <laughs> and it was so dismissive. It's like Chemical Lojack. And nobody says, that's impossible, Carl. Unless it's, you know, radioactive isotopes and he's tracking it with some sort of satellite Geiger counter. But he doesn't strike me <laughs> as the computery uh, hacker type at this point in the game. So, yeah, that was... That was so bad that I, my mind just does tend to sort of go, we're going to ignore that because we have to, because, <laughs> because reporting can't solve this problem. It has to be some stupid technological, and you know, it's, it's so insulting to the audience too. We're just, yeah. let's just, let's just ignore it. We'll just, we'll just say this and maybe they'll go with us. Sort of by way of background. I think the X-Files is off the air by 2005, right? Yeah. Just fairly fairly recently, though, I would guess. About 2001, I think, the last was it, series. Was it really that far back? Huh, I'm so I may sorry. have misremembered, but that's what I've got in my head. It, it, I'm sure it was in the 2000s, but I don't know how far in. But um, Frank Spotnitz, who was one of the people who was, you know, there. Are, Chris Carter is obviously the creator of the X-Files. And um, we've mentioned this many times before during the course of our uh, podcast that Chris Carter has in the past stated that Kolchak, the Night Stalker, the original series, was part of his, if not, if inspiration is not quite the right word for the X-Files, certainly one of the influences for the X-Files. Um, and we know that also Spotnitz has said the same thing. And, and I'm not sure exactly how... I know there were several people, um, Morgan and... It seems like there's one other name. There were there were a few people that you'll see a lot on the credits of a lot of the X-Files episodes that were key mm -hmm. people in the series, Spotnitz being one of them. Um, he was given the opportunity on behalf of ABC to recreate the Night Stalker, based solely on the characters and incidents that were owned by ABC, which were the first two movies. So Miss Emily and Updike and all those people are off limits. Oh, dear. Yeah, they were owned, I'm guessing, by Universal instead of instead of ABC proper. So um, they had to kind of go back to, to the original idea and then just and, and run with that. But I, you know, I think we can say that ABC was certainly looking for something to catch the X-Files vibe, um, I, I would be my guess. But um, mm -hmm. anyway, what did you uh, what did you make of this uh, this pilot well, episode? Obviously, I haven't seen the, the this this incarnation of the Night Stalker. I got Night Stalker, Night Stalker. Oh, 
I haven't seen the inca- this incarnation of it, just as I hadn't seen the previous incarnation of it. Um, you know, just, I mean, our longer term listeners will be aware that I came to all of those fresh. And so I am coming to this one fresh. Um, but having watched now the original series, so all of my comparisons, all of my kind of points of reference in this are to the original show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of, I guess I'm coming at it in terms of things I think are the same. And different. I'm going to have to mention the title, which bugs me no end, because... The Night Stalker, the, the original series was either Kolchak colon, The Night Stalker, or just The Night Stalker, mm-hmm. after the original TV movie, which was called The Night Stalker, because it was about a vampire. Right. Right? Yep. Because, the, you know, in the second one, The Night Strangler, because it's about a... a strangler. Uh, strangler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. <laughs> about uh, Yes. About about a, a basically immortal person who strangled, and um, suddenly Kolchak is the Night Stalker. It, it's it's kind of it's a weird justification for the title, which was just a kind of originally a, con- a, a convenient way of linking it to the most popular TV movie of all time. Right, right. It, it is an odd. You know, I I, I always think of the show as Kolchak because that's yeah. the first up yeah. word, and it is Kolchak's adventures. And I suppose if you knew nothing about the movies and you saw the title Kolchak the Night Stalker, and you followed the premise that he was a guy stalking the night for terrors and horrors you could kind of make you know you could kind of make it but if you know what the movie is you know that's completely backwards well it is yeah but we're so this is 30 years later and it's a an audience who aren't gonna have no clue about the, the tv movie apart mm-hmm. from you know the hardcore fans or at least or even people, the original series people in their 40s or indeed the original series and so they could have called it anything they wanted but there's this kind of I guess there's a need to nod to the show and yet in order to make sense of it they're saying oh yeah Kolchak kind of does a lot of nocturnal work therefore he is the night stalker in oh, a voiceover mm-hmm. so there's one similarity flipping voiceovers but only once well beginning and end yeah is there one at the end yeah in this one yeah yes, there is there one is. at the yeah, end yeah, yeah, this yeah. One, which is which is again you know much same as the original series but uh, it's different in the sense that it's not. It, it, it is a much more overtly um, storytelling device rather than. Well, I mean, obviously it's storytelling device, but but rather than having him pretending to talk into his dictaphone, we're just hearing his thoughts, right? I, I think so. I don't know if that's supposed to be something he's writing, or or just, I mean, in the first sequence, he's driving in his car and he's talking, and mm. we're seeing the words appear on the screen. My my vague recollection is that that may at times be also something on the screen but it i don't think it's ever it's never really about the story right it's not about him no. explaining who the victims are it's sort of vague yes. you know there are evil things out there and it's a creepy world and don't forget that they're, kind of they're, they're, they're just trying to um, make sure that you got the various um metaphors and underlying themes yes by you know spelling them out fair enough okay <laughs> i live with that that's not gonna that's not as bad because it's not going to directly affect your understanding of the plot because you're not there thinking you know uh you know who how how does he how did he how did he find out about this prostitute who happened to be attacked on this street corner on this night or whatever and you're thinking you know i i don't want to hear all this i want to see the journalism at work anyway there's there's one nod and in the actual uh in the actual voiceover we we have him say the police radio is my compass 
Mm-hmm. That's that's got to be a nod. It's got to be a nod. There were a couple in the course of the episode. Um, you know, I think uh, the fact that he came from Las Vegas yep. is one. And, fact, and New Vincenzo from Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And and Vincenzo has given him a job here when he's kind of, uh, say, down and out, but yep. kind of, you know, which is the same from the Night Strangler. Yeah. That, that whatever happened in Vegas caused him to have some problems to get jobs. And, and here we have, uh, we have that. Um, we did see Darren McGavin CGI'd into this episode at one point yes. in the newsroom yes and and you did warn me to look for him but it wasn't really that necessary because he certainly <laughs> stood out <laughs> he did he was dressed a little out of uh, contemporary uh, standards uh and then also just didn't look like he fit in that scene at all well i i don't i don't know that he didn't look like he fit i thought i thought it was quite well done it was quite well done but it was like whoa hang on i know that guy <laughs> It's Kolchak. It's the real Kolchak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, that obviously does. I mean, there's one one comparison to draw there, or di- or a difference to to note there, which is that our new Kolchak isn't. Uh, how can I put it? Uh, yeah. How can how can I describe his dress sense? Um, oh. It is. It isn't. It isn't crumpled cheek. He isn't. He doesn't have a a straw boater. He does have one. It's on the hat stand Ooh. in his apartment. It's, oh, it's I missed behind. that. So there's, a, there's another nod. It is there, and it's when they're going over the place after it's been searched by the FBI, it, it's there in the corner uh, oh, okay. behind him in one shot. And I'm like, oh, I'm not convinced he's ever worn that hat in his life. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't look like that. They've And this is, this. they've made him better dressed. Um, although, actually, I have to kind of quite admire the, the McGavin Kolchak style. Um, but they made they've they've basically taken um, they've taken the, the leads and made them young and sexy. Mulder and Scully. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, one could argue that that is um, uh, part of the retool to appeal to that particular audience, or it could be a cynical uh, assessment of what uh, is necessary to get anyone to watch TV show in the in the two thousands. Is uh, well, let's let let's remember this is this is two thousand and five. So yeah. whilst they were rebooting the thirty year old um, sort of. Uh, slightly property fail failed failed TV series from many years ago. Over on the other side of the pond, they were retooling a failed TV series that everyone laughed at from a few uh, years yeah. ago. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. casting young, sexy leads in it. And I, I you know, I'm, it makes me think of that Derek Jacobi line from Utopia, where you know he says, "Well, if the Doctor can be young, then so can I." Yeah, uh, and it, and it's a bit like I I, I feel like Kolchak sort of regenerated into a a younger version of himself for much for much the same reason, um, you know that that was the kind of prevailing wisdom about what would attract TV audiences at the time. At, at the time, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't have cast Peter Capaldi as the Doctor back right. then, ten years more than ten years ago, um, and so the networks wouldn't have gone for a Darren McGavin type. Um, you know, in in seniority terms, right? Shall we say? I agree. Even even um, I, I would be more convinced by. Okay, no, I, I'm gonna. I'll take a. I'll take a couple passes at this and argue for and against myself here. I would be more convinced by a seasoned crime reporter about Vincenzo's age. Uh-huh. Not so old as to appear to be getting on the infirm side, but old enough to be, you know, have some experience under his belt. I, I you know, 
from my standpoint, if I were thinking about the character, that would be where I would, that would be my first go. Trying, trying to divorce myself from the original series and just say, if I were casting up thing. On the other hand, I think there might be a good argument that says a younger lead might be more open to extreme possibilities. You know, it would be it would be easier to convince them that this weird supernatural stuff is going on. Um, a lot harder to convince somebody who's older and uh, more set in their ways. So there's something to be said for that. It, it is sort of a, sort I'm, of a I'm, youth I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm not necessarily against the whole young and sexy leads thing. But I'm bit. I'm just a bit disappointed about him being too snappy a dresser. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's let's not carry too fine of a point. Look at his apartment. Holy cow! That's an expensive place he lives in. I thought everyone in Los Angeles lived in places like that. Well, it looks like right. it because Perry's house is actually from the ter- telly. Perry's house is similar. I mean, not not as exactly. amazing, but I mean, Coljax is. I, I you know I think I've seen that in other shows. I think I saw it in Galaxy Quest. I think that's supposed to be the house that the captain lives in with the outdoor pool and the overlook and the glass. I mean, that is many, many, many million dollar home. Not what you would expect a reporter to be living in. So, you know, they've, and his car isn't uber expensive, but it's not a cheap car. You know, he's, he, it, it is a newer model of what Kolchak was driving in the yeah, 70s. I, yeah, I, I, I could see the similarity. I'm not a car person. I could see the similarities in the fact that they were trying to, it was a statement car. I'm pretty sure it's the same company and model even though it's gone through many years of um uh, uh, changes let's let's go with the easy word changes (laughs) but uh yeah so there was there was that but there's one difference it's los angeles and we didn't get to los angeles in the original yeah we did uh the the replacement werewolf uh vampire the female vampire that was los angeles oh yeah yes but I, yes, okay. I was kind of expecting Chicago. In in 30 but. years difference, um, Los Angeles is um, more a place that's newsworthy, apparently. We, yes. we had that discussion that there was a little bit of an East Coast bias in that in the original series. But uh, in this one, I guess Los Angeles is a weird enough place to have uh, creatures. And I think it's shot in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I know that, that may sound... Rather than Vancouver. Rather than, yeah. <clears throat> I don't think I saw anything there that looked like it was shot in Vancouver. Uh, even though that's still a very, very popular place to shoot um stories so even now so just but it, you know all the location footage was definitely california Colchak's, you know the practical sets were definitely los angeles so it seems unlikely that they do the studio stuff somewhere else um yeah and it seems fair to say they've spent a bit of money on this feels like it certainly is is slick up to but it was up to modern standards at that time too so i, I guess I guess they spent money on it. So, let's talk about the story. Um, I feel like the answer to this is that we haven't seen this story through to its end yet. Would that... That's, that is, as a, as a new viewer, who obviously has no idea of what's coming and does not wish to have any spoilers, that's certainly the feeling that I got. Um, I guess, again, because, you know, my point of reference is the 20 episodes of Kolchak that we've seen, plus the the two movies, I now have a kind of um, Pavlovian reaction to seeing a Kolchak monster, which is I start anticipating the info dump we're going to get about the the particular uh, myth or story that there is around the monster. And I guess I felt maybe a bit disappointed, um, but probably because of my expectations that it wasn't a vampire 
or something and and even though it was quite potentially quite an interesting monster by the end of it we still don't know that it's anything other than a I dog mean, <laughs> yeah i mean it, well it could be a kind of strange coyote that mm-hmm. has some i guess one explanation that is not discussed and and i find it a little ir- weird that it was not discussed uh, because what we have is we have evidence that there's animals dog-like animals we have photographs of them we have a dead body of one we have uh you know paw prints uh, etc uh we have violent death that seems by animal and at the same time we have evidence of intelligence we have mm-hmm. the child being taken we have the child being put somewhere in a place yes we saw a man in the housing development in the the new construction looking out at the house as the husband was leaving yes so you know there is there's a there's a human form and there's obviously dog forms and i'm not trying trying to leap to the conclusion that we're talking werewolf but mm-hmm. you know we do have both it, it could looks be like a man it. who's trained dogs mm-hmm. you know it, it, it yes, could yes could be that <clears throat> yeah so we don't get an answer um we get what i think is probably two dead dogs i don't know if the second dog is is sufficiently killed that the body is recovered or not certainly the first one was and <clears throat> why was the why was the body disposed of kolchak's argument is is that agent fane wants to get rid of evidence so that he can put kolchak away that's one possibility other possibility is it really was a coyote um you know there's there's a um there's a, a mythical creature called the chupacabra here in western united states southwestern united states uh it's a, it's a mexican legend the, the goat sucker and uh, occasionally you'll see somebody who's got a picture of one quote unquote um and you know the, the what it looks like it varies wildly but sometimes you'll get a picture of one and it's clearly a canine and a really ugly looking canine like the one that we had killed here but mm-hmm. they're identified by experts as a coyote or a wild dog with a severe case of mange. I don't I, I don't know, you know, but that that is what comes out of these photos and I've seen photos of things that look a lot like that dead dog call it a dead dog yeah. that you know have that kind of I don't know, not hairy look to them and I think that's what they were going for. I think they were going for the chupacabra dogs that look like they have mange look to give us doubts because they are mm-hmm. weird looking, but at the same time, it's plausible. But, you know, maybe maybe Agent Fane's in on it. Or knows something, you know, that he doesn't want known by the press. Part of a cover-up. Hmm. That's right. It, it could to be, me. Uh, it could be all sorts of things. And I think, you know, not trying to give you any spoilers because I'm I'm not, but I think, you know, if you went into a show and you didn't know this was Kolchak or they just changed all the names and and had presented this story, you would be perfectly justified to say Kolchak has basically told us that this story isn't over and that he's going to keep investigating it and that it is going to kind of fall in that, you know, you walk away at the end of the episode without a clear-cut answer. And if you're lucky, maybe you'll get one later. And if not, maybe you just have to satisfy yourself with at least we saved the kid you know and the, and the, the threat has been dissipated there's more to the there's more to the episode than just the this particular monster of the week in the sense that although at some stage there's a connection made between them we also get the story of kolchak's wife mm-hmm. which is certainly unresolved plus we get that strange little montage of uh 
quite intriguing looking other sort of open cases that Kolchak has been looking into. Oh, you're talking about in the mid of the show where he talks about the spontaneous human combustion and the, the guy who they said they were in a haunted house and then they found them all hung in the attic. And yeah, and the other the guy who confessed to murders that happened after he confessed to them. Yeah. yeah OK. OK. Because there's also at the very end when he's giving his closing monologue, there are pictures of stuff happening that didn't happen in this story, too. Like the two bodies clung up against the wall and all emaciated, mm-hmm. mummified and things um, right right there at the end. Um, not those may be clips from other episodes in the series that they use because this is a pilot so we're trying to to flesh it out a little bit but yeah um and and also his you know some of these have these marks on the arm Mm -hmm. and that those marks were not there when when the victims were alive or before the accident whatever and the uh admission that it doesn't always happen either some of the weird cases are not Mm -hmm. uh seemingly have the mark on them which to me and i am i am drawing a parallel and i would have drawn i did draw the parallel when i saw the episode the first time so i'll I'll, again i'm i'm basing this entirely on what i thought in the first episode that there's the mythos and the non-mythos stories For X Files. So you're right? co- yeah, you're coming into it with a, an X Files expectation. With an X Files expectation, that's exactly what I thought. It's like he he sets it up. He's got he's got his files. I mean, for crying out loud, let's call them the K files, right? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And well, yes. I mean, okay. One of the one of the differences here is the kind of motivation of Kolchak, or the, the mm-hmm. there's a there's a real sense in the original series that Kolchak is primarily a reporter yep it's one of the reasons i spent a lot of time complaining about the fact that he did seem to do his job in a very strange slightly counterproductive way but okay we got told over and over and again that Kolchak's good reporter mm-hmm. and at the end of each episode he's got a cracking story about some paranormal thing that he then can't publish can't publish because well because no one would believe it that's right no, no one would believe it or or it's being suppressed. Or, but actually, you know, in story terms, if he did publish it, it's quite problematic because one of two things can happen. Either <laughs> he deal. loses all his credibility and that's a problem for next week or it's believed, you know, it's taken seriously and everyone's perception of what reality is changes and, you know, the whole of um, the academic world is suddenly going to be examining all their uh, previous beliefs mm-hmm. so you know for story reasons it, it, it's 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 kind of got to not be published now the thing about young cold what should we call him uh new cold <laughs> new cold 21st century cold is that he although he seems to be a good reporter and again we get told you know in that exchange between award winning yeah he's award winning he broke this huge story it was it was a a big deal and it made his name and so he is a a reporter with a reputation but what we get at the end is that he's actually not writing the story that he's seen and 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 you know perry says you haven't you haven't written what we witnessed Mm -hmm. and it's and it's much more like the reason he's the reason he's doing what he's doing is a personal obsession which for him is almost certainly coming out of the the loss of his wife and needing an answer to do with it but i mean the kidnapping of his sister by aliens oh wait no no that's That's a different yeah because (laughs) because Mulder is is an fbi agent in the sense that they pay his salary okay 
and uh, you know to, nominally he has to report to to the FBI but even though he is a very talented profiler and he has a, a great reputation for that he has ended up doing his own thing and not um, pursuing the the glorious career that might have been anticipated for him because he's instead chosen to spend his time in a basement investigating the cases that are connected with his personal obsession again Mm -hmm. so i think in that sense what we've got here is really quite different from the original show i'm not sure if it's better or worse i'm not sure if i like it or not i i I do feel that it's it's cutting too close to the X Files. I I, I, it, I do. It's too cynically patterned after. I mean, and we haven't even started talking about Perry yet. But <laughs> yes, and and I and I thought it was interesting, and I and I hadn't I hadn't recalled it. It's been a while since I've watched these. But when we got to the last scene, and Kolchak says, you know, Perry says, "Well, you didn't print what we witnessed. The public has a right to know." Right? Yeah. Isn't isn't that Kolchak's line from several episodes of the original? The public has a right to know. Well, it is from a couple, but right. old Kolchak, 20th century Kolchak, was so cynical that he might have come out with those lines because it suited him. It might have. At but, the time. But now we have... I, 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 I certainly felt that we didn't know enough about his motivation. And I liked the idea that he was a genuine... Um, seeker of the truth that want more than that that he was a he was all about giving the public the truth and that that for him was a vocation and it so happened that you know he followed the facts and the facts led him to these these paranormal things mm-hmm. now the problem for problem for me was in the original show they didn't necessarily explain why he leapt to these fairly extraordinary conclusions all the time because sometimes it didn't actually automatically seem that to the open-minded observer all the facts yet pointed that way whereas in this show we've now got a reason why Kolchak has a particular interest in mm-hmm. x file type stories why he might pursue them and why he might see everything through that lens any story he's going to look for that angle on it and and we have the Another thing that, again, talking X-Files, there's a disadvantage to Kolchak being a journalist under this format, where he is the believer and in it to try to solve his own personal mystery. And that is that in the X-Files, Mulder is an investigator. He is a law enforcement officer. Hmm. So take away your take away your criticism about Kolchak taking the law into his own hands and defeating the villain. Mulder's job is to resolve the issue. You can argue that he should have taken it to court, but, but you know, it, he he is more on the side of supposed to do something to prevent protect to protect, protect and serve and at the same time he still puts together his reports and he hands them into skinner where then they get put in a file and no one ever gets looked at them but when a reporter mm. prints puts something written down which he has to at the end of the case it's supposed to go out to the public mm. so <clears throat> They they very effectively, uh, with the X-Files, found a way to kind of do the same type of work without having the problems of being a journalist that, that yeah. you rightly pointed out. And so by then bringing them back and saying, now how do we make the X-Files into Coljack? They've they've kind of reintroduced that, and they they have to make Kolchak part of the part of the cover up in a way. Yeah, yeah. And which which do, which begs the question: What kind of a show are you trying to make? Because it seems to me that when they 
when they landed themselves because of the TV movie with a lead who was supposed to be a reporter, which, you know, as we've said, you can kind of get away with for a one off. Mm -hmm. You do you do end up with a, a, a tension between the kind of stories that they end up wanting to tell and that role of who Kolchak is supposed to be. And I kind of slated it for for not serving that and it seems like with the x-files they they looked at, at the the original Kolchak series and said yeah we want to do that thing of telling those telling those uh, those monster stories as if you know they're they're real and they're they're being investigated as they would be in modern day real life and they cre and they kind of cr constructed a structure around it that made some sense with as you say the kind of the FBI structure. Now, I still think that there is a story that you could tell about a journalist, but they're different stories. That's mm -hmm. the problem. Why does the journalist go pursuing the kidnapped child? You know, why, when he finds out where she's gone, doesn't he call the police? and give them the information and then follow up to do his job which is reporting on the police doing the rescue and and okay i mean it's a yes. bad it's a bad trope it's a bad trope this this uh in a detective story it's bad that you, you've got this one guy who's the only one who believes the kid's alive so he's the only one but at least when he's the one who takes the law into his own hands it's because the rest of his department have shrugged it off don't you think that but, they would have completely ignored him because he has been and and there's twofold problem here he he's already been arrested as a suspect in this crime so you know they're not going to necessarily if they do believe that he's found the kid in a cave they're going to believe that he planted the kid in the cave and and which you know as things they're, turned they're out they're going to do that anyway yeah right it's like oh so kolchak recovered the child to. big they're shock there yeah but, i mean the thing is, to me, that that was the weak point of the episode that the, you know, the Scooby gang all going off and conducting this rescue themselves. And then in particular, the, the girl on that ledge with that huge drop underneath, mm -hmm. Kolchak tells her to jump. And I'm thinking, God, even Darren McGavin wouldn't have been that irresponsible. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else he could have done. It does raise the question is, how does the kid get over there? Well, because a proper rescue is mounted with police and fire service. No, I mean, in the first place. Boats. How did the how did the creatures get? Well, I, that, I mean, that's part of the mystery of the, the creatures. I mean, as, mm -hmm. as if these are if these are dogs. Leaving aside the you know the man we saw, if these are dogs, how did they even carry her? Because yeah, they didn't drag her off. So what happened? Yeah, yeah. She she doesn't look like she's been dragged or carried in the jaws of a beast or anything like that. And we know um, they have intelligence, or at least it appears yeah. they have intelligence, because well, it's when they jumped on the bed, it wasn't just intelligence. When they jumped on the bed, that was a clear cut. You know, I know you're under there, mm -hmm. and I'm playing with you. Mm -hmm. You know that that that's we could just call that evil. I mean that's that's just that's just a sign that they were playing with her. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It, it, there there are some. There's more than a few issues here, and I think I think part of the problem is that part of the problem with Kolchak in this story is that it is linked inextricably to his wife's case. And so he is a suspect and kind of rightly so. Yeah. You know, he shows up first day on the job and there's already a murder that's just like his wife's. And is that a coincidence? Is, is it literally a coincidence that Kolchak was in this town and just got a job on the day that a murder just like his 
his wife's? Or was he somehow, did he come here for that event? Did something tip him off that that was going to happen? Good question. Uh, not not addressed remotely in the story. I do not remember. Well, other, other than that, he doesn't get, he, he gets the story himself. He takes himself to the scene mm-hmm. because explicitly Vincenzo hasn't assigned him to the story. Right. He hasn't even been into the office yet, but you yeah, know, he has a yeah. police radio. So he heard the crime and, and went out to it, but it's just on his first day. That, that, that's too, too coincidental. It's suspicious. And I cannot remember, and, and I just watched this last night, when we saw the guy looking at the house, did we see his wrist? Did we see the thing on his wrist? I didn't see it. Okay. But. I can't remember whether that's there or not. Um, I remember we see a, a silhouette, but, you know, you know nothing about the symbol when you're watching the episode at that point, so you wouldn't be looking. And I, I don't recall whether we saw it or not, but, um, you know, that that's... <sighs> that could lead us to the belief that it was Kolchak out there. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. You know, there is, there is, I, I, again, I'm giving, I'm giving Kolchak a pass because he's Kolchak. I've, I've seen him in the 1970s. I know who he is. He's (laughs) right. He's the, he's the good guy and he's, you know, he may be cynical and he may be rude, but he's definitely the good guy. And here he's a bit darker you know yeah, uh, or yeah. there's potential that he's a bit darker here and the FBI have reason to believe that he's you know, a suspect in that murder and here he is again so and it's yeah. you know if, if he'd shown up on any other bizarre crazy crime on his first day at the beacon then you know a spontaneous human bu- combustion case let's just say then then this would be different because they could say why do you believe this is well let me tell you a story about my wife yeah. this bizarre event with the werewolves attacking her or whatever but but they don't they, they put the two and two together and throw him right into the fire uh, on the first day, so <clears throat> I, I don't, I, I don't know if that was going to ever pan out in any way that we would find out that that, that was he had anything to do with it or not. I, I, I don't think I, I genuinely don't think that he. He'd have to be a hell of an actor. I mean, he is the star of the series. So we're not, he's not going to be irredeemably bad, but he could be, mm-hmm. he could be a little Maybe. shady. You know, he, he well, could be a in little, the sense, yeah. Uh, you, you, know, you wouldn't you wouldn't say that the McGavin Kolchak was a flawless character. You know, he wasn't um, exemplary in his politeness, for example, no. or his humility. And so, you know, there, well, we talked about the fact that I find him pretty hard to, to like, and uh, I, I, you know, as did your dad. So mm-hmm. there are there are things about this Kolchak again that that carry forward. So um, for example, he knew that Perry had the Henry Gale interview, yep. and yet he goes up and makes like he doesn't because he, again he's being manipulative. He just like McGavin would have done. Yep. I think the only difference perhaps being that he's rather better at the. the at the, at the subterfuge and being charming with it. And he's got somebody who's not um, fooled by it in, yeah. in the form of Perry. She she figures it out. So she's she's beginning to get his measure. Yeah, but it's but it in this case, it's not because he's crude at it, as you, you know, you might say often McGavin was. Um, so, you know, it was it was a kind of half hearted attempt often in his case, whereas this I thought was a pretty plausible attempt at trying to get her on side but she sees through it because she's smarter Mm -hmm. 
Well, and she also like the, so the, there's the, and two layers to that. He comes in and he says, "Well, now that the now that the uh, husband's been released, maybe you should try to get a try to get an interview with him." And her response is, "Correctly, I'm surprised you didn't already try that." Mm. And he goes, "I did. They wouldn't talk to me because you're the reporter on the case." And so he's 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 not denying the fact that he tried to get the the interview with it, but he didn't he didn't lead with that info. You know, he came forward with, "Hey, maybe you ought to try." to get this yeah and she goes really like you didn't try to get it yeah i did okay fine and it's only later then she says you knew i already had the interview didn't you yeah and 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 i don't know i don't see that that subterfuge has led him anywhere um because it would have been perfectly reasonable if he had tried to call say can i get an interview he said no we've already got an interview with perry reed from your paper okay thanks a lot bomb and then go to perry so i mean it's <laughs> no because it because perry would have said you know tough you're not coming mm-hmm. it's yeah. her story yeah. this this way he he lets her look like she's making the running and puts her in a mood to be more generous in inviting him along yeah so he, he's got something to gain out of it he gets to ask him about animals and i think that's a very interesting point in the part in the story i mean that is that is the moment where perry goes one way and jane goes the other yeah you know the the, the two of them start like perry starts thinking there's something up with kolchak in this story you know, there's there's more to it than this. So Kolchak is part of this story. So she starts investigating him, and hmm. Jane starts looking Which at is it. Good. As going, yes, good journalist. And Jane starts looking at it from the standpoint of w- what kind of evidence might we have to fit with Kolchak's story. Yeah, less interesting. Uh, yeah. And and there and there's another different. Let's carry our. How do we fit these story together? Scully and Perry. That's obviously yep. her role. Um, well, yes, yes, pretty much. I mean, obviously the the senior crime reporter. So this is this is in between Vincenzo and Kolchak in the original setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but I think that's I think that's quite an interesting place to go with it because it gives. Kolchak the opportunity to be equally sort of irascible and I work on my own yada 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 and yet he can't because she's the boss and he can't sort of shuck her off like that and he's yeah he's got a partner and and we talked about this several times in the original Mm. series having someone to bounce you know not just Vincenzo but having someone there to help or to counterbalance would have been a big help yeah yeah sure I I just think it's interesting they also chose to include Jimmy Olsen uh, in this equation, <laughs> I I was so so certain he was a red shirt. I can't be- I can't tell you how absolutely convinced I was. In fact, I I know the moment he should have died because it was in the cave when yeah, the it. dog or whatever had got him by the ankle, and I just thought, right, that's it. That's when he's that's when he's going to buy the farm. Did it uh, Did it claw him or did it bite him? Well, I don't know, but it, it, you know, Kolchak, he, he was scrambling up. Kolchak had him by the hand, and I thought, that's it. He's, you know, he's going to lose the grip, and uh, oh, it's going to be tragic, tragic. I don't care. <laughs> oh, because um... I think Perry's an interesting character. It's an interesting role, and you know, as you as as you've said, she. She's got the guts to investigate him. So she's a she's a good journalist. She's sufficiently independent minded. And, you know, at the end of it, she's the one who calls him out on. Shouldn't you be telling the public what we saw? So there's a lot of mileage in that character. I have no idea what they're going to do with Jane. Is he just going to be some kind of lick spittle follower of Kolchak's hunches? I can't I can't tell you that, but I, I will tell you he is a regular. I mean, they need a photographer. Well, and... Since he's, they don't need a photographer. There's a, see, there's another nod 
to to the uh, McGavin version in that he's got his camera and they you know they're quite explicit about it. I even took the photos when she turns up with a photographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's well, hopefully he's better with it. They they they've even got an excuse to dispense with him now. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think it gives them it gives them an opportunity for a dynamic they didn't have with Mulder and Scully. I mean, it, it is awfully the third wheel. The third wheel. Well, you know, does he does he turn out to be a third wheel, or does he turn out to be an integral part of the team? Uh, you know, we'll, that remains that remains to be seen. But he is he is the component that is different from the X-Files formula because yep. Vincenzo is playing Skinner. Yes. He trusts those two. He has his own obligations, which is the press and what he can do and cannot do. Um, and he's not an incompetent fool or he doesn't appear to be, right? He, no, that's, and, that's, that's true and good. And so then you've got the, the guy who's on the crusade, <clears throat> Mulder. You've got the, yep. the another investigator of the same ilk as he is, but not a believer and, you know, more in with the protocol. We have to print what yep. we're going to do. And now they've thrown in this this extra character who we, we don't know where he's going to fall down here. But he does appear at least be open-minded enough that I would argue that by... By Kolchak's questioning, the fact that he went back and looked at what they had was also, in a way, good journalism. It's like, is there anything there to go along with this this assertion that he made? It yeah, didn't take yeah, you much to yeah. do it. So he has his moments. I'm not saying he's a, I'm not saying he's bad at his job. I'm saying he's just not very interesting. And if they turn out to be werewolves, will he become one? Because <laughs> he was the one that got wound. You know, they only show us that wound for just a second. Very oh, yeah. fast cut on that wound. And it's like, I don't know. Is it a bite? Is it a claw? Is it? But if they are werewolves, which, you know, again, we've been. They look like, yeah. We've been given a very good. Um, signpost. Signpost, but not proof. And so, you know, are we bringing our own expectations to this? Is it, well, it's obviously a werewolf. Maybe it's, maybe it's Satan dog, you know, instead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it could be any number of things. Our mind goes to werewolf because that's the prevailing mythology in our culture, that kind of thing. And, and Kolchak, of course, you'd be thinking of that sort of sort of thing. So I um, I, I kind of like that they at least did something slightly different <laughs> and added him. But I can't help thinking of Jimmy Olsen. He, he, is, he is Superman's best pal in the press room, Jimmy Olsen, boy mm. photographer. <laughs> mm. <laughs> It just, uh, it's like, eh. all right, uh, let's see, what uh, do I have here? I do like the, uh, oh, yes, um, we talked about her um, suspicions about Kolchak because, you know, the case just seemed to have too much information about it. And there is the point when Kolchak has been arrested and Vincenzo shows up and he's there, I'm guessing, to bail Kolchak out. Yep. Uh, but before he gets a chance, he has the conversation with Perry and she's like, you know, pointing out all the coincidences to it. And I, and I, Vincenzo very rightly says to her something to the effect of, you can't see why a reporter would be drawn to a case similar to his own story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, it, he's not wrong. Maybe, maybe Kolchak can't be as detached as perhaps he should be, but he's certainly not wrong. That That's going to, you know, that, that's bound to cause somebody to do it. So, you know, I, I could see how we could kind of make the argument, we're kind of making the argument earlier that Kolchak maybe shouldn't be doing what he's doing on this case because of his obsession, but at the same time, it's perfectly understandable, and it's understandable to his editor. Like, yeah. 
you know, you know, you, you investigate what, in a way, what interests you, because maybe you'll do a better job at it too. Yeah. You know, yeah. clearly he's I been mean, doing like, a lot of work. I like that about the setup in the sense that Vincenzo has, I mean, clearly we've said that Perry seems to be someone with an investigative instinct and so clearly a good reporter. We have Kolchak with his reputation based on the, the uh, case in Las Vegas and Vincenzo has hired them both because he thinks they're good. Mm-hmm. which is a nice change from hiring Kolchak and then spending all of his time butting heads. Yes, yes. Um, he, he He's still clearly irritated by Kolchak. I mean, justifiably, because Kolchak turns up on day one and does something to piss him off. <laughs> but there's there's also an explanation within the episode of why he's hired him. Yeah. And thankfully, he's much less shouty, although I guess part of that is, as you, as you kind of point out, he's, he, there's more of the seniority vibe there. He is older, because mm-hmm. I guess Darren McGavin and Simon Oakland not that different in age. Probably not, no. It's, it, yeah, so... Um, yeah, more more contemporaries in in that case, and obviously, uh, you know, Kolchak, I'm going to say, probably clearly has respect for Vincenzo. Yes, I think I think we see that. I think there's probably something to that where you know, with a story of this kid comes in and says, "I got the story on you know why did he pick Vincenzo?" I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, there could be a, a number of reasons behind that, but I, I think that. But the also, dynamic but also because better. Vincenzo obviously did back him up. Mm-hmm. That you know that that he. However, however he picked him, he whether it was deliberately or just by accident, he picked the right guy. He picked someone who who ended up believing in him and who has respect for him. And I guess that is mutual. And I don't think Vincenzo was exactly too mad at him either. I mean, he's not mad at him for going after the story. He even says that to him. It's like, you know, I appreciate whatever the your yeah, initiative yeah, yeah. on going out and getting stories i mean that's what he wants it's the way he did it with regards to not even bothering to you know check yeah. in and, or... it, and, and he slaps him down but it's the, it's the kind of it's the kind of friction that you think actually probably most newspaper editors are pretty pretty much going to err on the side of letting their hacks tear each other's throats out in order to compete you know they all they all they want is is hungry journalists they want people who are going to bring them the, the best stories it's at the point where that starts to get counterproductive that you've got a problem but in the international news service just kind of going out and shouting down your supposedly best reporter all of the time and chewing his ear off and then him not doing what you say anyway you kind of think oh, that's not management that's just not management mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see where that goes on the story we also get this you know we got this vibe here that agent fane wants to put kolchak away i don't think uh-huh. that, that's that's more than just a vibe clearly agent yeah, fane yeah. wants yeah, to put yeah. kolchak away he's convinced he's the murderer and that's the the solution and and understandably yeah i think there's i think there's some <clears throat> i think there's some justification behind it but on the other hand no evidence is no evidence and they're just suspicions so you know why is it that fane is so obsessed with this case because he he seems to be and it's just it's just one murder Murder. He's probably seen a bunch of them. I'm not even sure why an FBI agent would be involved in a murder investigation. We don't. We don't Good get question. that. Question. We don't get that. Is Let's it see. something to do with state boundary? I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, but all. I don't. But when they were showing where the murder occurred, 
they the, the the Luxor in Vegas was in the background, so they were in Nevada. So mm-hmm. Kolchak worked in Nevada. They were in Nevada. The crime was committed in Nevada. I don't see why FBI would be involved in that crime, but you know that's. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, not not really adequately explained. But what we also get at the other side is we also get Vincenzo's explanation to Perry as to why he does not believe Kolchak murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. That, the bit about how biggest day of his career, the biggest crime trial, and he stays home because his wife is sick. It's a human moment, and it's it's. I guess you could that would that would be a data point in your favor if you knew the man, if you'd known his wife, which he probably did, and if you you know knew how devoted he was. Not saying that devoted husbands don't sometimes commit murder, but you know this is there's 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 more to this crime than and Agent Fane and and Vincenzo's belief I think than than meets the eye, but. Um, Let's see. Oh, plot point. Not not the low jack, which just I can't stand that. <laughs> The um, the mark Kolchak is holding this group of files, and he says, "On all these cases, the mark was found after the victim was dead. And it was never there before." He then pre- the first one he opens and proceeds to tell is the story of a woman who was afraid she was going to be burned, and she went into her house, locked her door, and her body was completely incinerated. And they show the no. pictures. There's no wrist left for them to find that mark on. She's not completely incinerated. Her feet were there. So but- did the mark have to be on her wrist? thought he well that's an interesting question um i thought he said on the wrist and maybe it was on the wrist of one i was i don't know i don't know i mean i i need to go back and check the dialogue that in, in in that scene and and that could that could be me it's not the last time we'll see the mark on a wrist. That I'm, I'm spoiler sorry, but it's not the last time we'll see that. <laughs> I and, guess that. And we, I do not recall seeing it anywhere else or any ever ever mention of it being anything other than right there on the wrist, like it is on Kolchak. Okay. So I may have read that into it because having seen it, but I thought he said they all had this mark on the wrist because they didn't look. I don't think they looked elsewhere on the on the body. They're just like, nope, nothing on the wrist. She's it wasn't there. So, um, but yeah, the, there was no there was no hand left. So no wrist mark. <laughs> Um, that was just like, you know, that was just a writing mistake, but I, I thought it was kind of amusing, but it, it did present some interesting types of cases. As you I, I, I thought it fascinating. So it, it kind of gives us the idea of the sort of things we might see. Yeah. Um, although I'm, I'm guessing we won't see those because unless we get a know, flashback episode, they've been, they've been, you know, given to us, um, thing. And, um, and then Kolchak has the mark there at the end of the episode, just as plain as day. Kolchak has got the mark on his wrist. Didn't bother to mention it. that to anybody. I missed that. Oh, you didn't see it? Yeah, right there at the end in the last scene when he's typing away, he takes his watch off and they cut to a close shot. Kolchak has the mark on his wrist. Oh my word! Yeah, that one. That one's yeah. kind of important. Yes, I can see that. He goes on on all about this mark and the showing up on people, and it wasn't on his wife and all this stuff, and he doesn't bother to mention the fact that I have the mark too. So um, doesn't doesn't tell us anything at all, other than there's more to this more to this mark than than we have previously been led to believe, perhaps. But anyway, I don't know that I have anything else. I, I like the little Gumby that he kept the torn up Gumby in the in his car. Uh, I'm not sure what what's that a, says psychologically, but what's a Gumby? Oh, the little green. It's a little green clay. Cause she's when they get in the car, she says to him, "What Gumby do to piss you off?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When we see the flashback, it's whole when the attack yeah. comes, and then. Later on, he's he's kept it. I'm not sure that's healthy. <laughs> I I don't I you know it's kind of you look at that and you go well they did put him in an, in the nut hatch for, 
<laughs> for a while. Um, yeah, not, I'm not sure that's a good not that it's a good thing, but uh, but uh, it amused me. So. Do you have anything else on this? Um... I just, I've got a note that I thought the horror worked in this in a way that it never really quite, with maybe one or two exceptions um, in the original series. Uh, the Particularly, I thought that standout scene um, with the Porky Pig cartoon and the girl under the bed and the woman in the shower was just terribly, terribly well done, especially for a pilot episode. Yeah, and uh, and of course, Porky Pig, Pig's Wolf, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it w- wasn't lost. <laughs> and the li- and, you know the little girl being scared of you know what are you scared of of what's out there? It, mm-hmm. it, it, that that stuff was quite quite chilling. Yeah, I, and I. I'm going to say, you know, there there are moments in the original series where I felt that the tension was very well done uh and that it that you know the combination of the music and the and the the direction and the uh and what you knew and what you didn't know produced some genuine some genuine moments of tension uh during the course of the the episodes, but 30 years later, I think what they could do, what they could get away with um and and how they could set it up, I think helped a lot. Hmm. I'm not saying sure. that there was anything particularly sure. more more um, violent or anything, but you know, obviously, a the monsters aren't as comical. Yes, that's I mean, one. They're, they're better than the rubber crocodiles in the century. Uh, yep. Um, but I think I think what they believed would be allowed in TV had changed because there's some stuff in the X Files that, using them as an example, that just would never, never have been allowed on television oh, ten yeah. years earlier. Yeah, yeah. Right, and it, it, it it's not exactly not exactly a gore factor although occasionally it's just how horrific and how scary they they're allowed to tell the story and um, it's true but it uh, i think what was effective about that particular scene was that as is often the case it wasn't that they were showing more it was that they were showing less what we were seeing was the girl's face it was reaction shots it was cutting to the cartoon and letting Mm -hmm. your mind do the work yeah, no, no, I, I, not to take away from it. It was, it was well done uh, without showing us really a lot, you know. Um, so it's, it, I'm not, not trying to say it's the special effects or anything like or mm-hmm. gore, but it just, it was, you know, they've had more years to study Hitchcock films. <laughs> yep, true. So, um, and again, in that case, we also got the, uh, we got the potential werewolf and or man and dog metaphor because the a humanoid passes in front of the window. But when yes. they break in, we yeah. know it's an animal of some yeah. kind. So yeah. uh, could just be a guy passing the hotel room. Don't know. But uh, also interesting, they didn't kill the woman, the mother. Yes, yes. Just wounded her very badly, but they didn't kill her. So we never got to her say, hear her say what attacked her. The girl says she can't remember anything, but... Mm-hmm. We never hear what the mom says. What was her report? Yes, this big dog attacked me in my... We don't get that. And I think that's a little a failing of the story as well. Because so, it's important. And it also would have been harder to suppress the story. Yes. As Kolchak saw it, if, you know, she'd been giving interviews with people and saying, yeah, a dog attacked her. Um, all right. Well, um, I don't think this episode... Yeah, I think this show has episode titles in the same way that the X-Files had episode titles. Nobody knows what they are. They're not printed on screen but they're they're held in the uh in the uh, archive somewhere for place on wikipedia and i think the next one is the five people you meet in hell is the name of the next episode so simon thank you for joining me a pleasure as always and listeners hope you'll join us again next time on fusion patrol fusion patrol is a lone locust production like us please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol 
We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.